You're listening to the A Fortunate Man with MS podcast. I'm your host, Jack Greenman. This podcast is a chapter-by-chapter reading of my brother Gil's book, A Fortunate Man with MS. It tells the story of one person with multiple sclerosis, a very fortunate person. If you've recently been diagnosed with MS or have lost hope, Gil and I want this podcast to inspire you to take just one more walk, go to one more workout, move one step away from despair, and strive for one more day to make sense of this strange, often terrible, and occasionally fortunate presence of MS in our lives. Enjoy. The Fall. Free Fall. This is Free Fall. The precipice had been lofty and the stuff of my dreams. My new cavernous corner office, complete with leather couch, brown wood, and oriental carpet, spoke to teenage fantasies inspired while nerding out on PBS's Paper Chase series with John Houseman as Kingsfield, the terrifying Harvard Law professor. My own Harvard Law School diploma on the wall and success at the firm had kept me on track with my partnership class and finally landed the corner with a separate office for my secretary. What's more, I had just begun work on another case for one of the most respected and formidable lawyers of his generation, the senior member of a group of professional fathers whose trust in me I had spent 14 years trying to honor. I had arrived, truly, finally, and for my goals, completely arrived. Only to plummet head first off the edge of the cliff. I saw my whole life rushing up to swallow everything, all of it, going, going. Of course, this wasn't an event occurring in a single instant. Much of it had been long in coming, but like a frog in slowly warming water, the entirety of my situation had not yet pierced my grandiose denial. There had been hints of a change, moments where I wondered, does this lawyer think I am making sense? Do they think I understand what I am saying? Of course, every professional daily risks appearing incompetent, but was I? Sadly, the 23 excellent years of law school, clerkships, and success at the firm provided less and less, and finally no comfort at all. My long history of pushing through MS exacerbations, cheerfully making adaptations like using a cane and working at the pace of a DC litigator came to an end when the one muscle I could not circumvent or supplement failed. My brain. One Friday found me sitting in my office working on a draft letter. Actually, it was more like a paragraph. Some specific language on a topic for which I had the most knowledge on the team. The time had moved on to 8 p.m. and I still sat reading the same background, emails and articles and cases and prior letters, over and over. Their language did not seem to stick in my head and I could not piece things together into that arc of words that had always sprung out of me after enough reading and thinking. Instead, anxiety conquered my old steady ground like an invading horde. 
Retreating in disarray, my concentration moved every minute to another email or a completely different topic, even subjects having nothing to do with work. One of the subjects causing distraction was a phone call I had received from an employee of the local boutique bank that held the mortgage on my townhouse in fashionable old town Alexandria. Was I aware, he asked, that my mortgage, obtained in the go-go early 2000s, was a balloon note that came due in three months? No, seriously, in three months, you owe us $700,000. I had planned to refinance soon when I had originally taken out the loan, but 2008 and also a great, meaning awful, personal recession had intervened, as well as several years of separation, divorce, and a recent shifting of house ownership back to me in exchange for a large payment toward a new house for my kid's mother. No, Mr. Banker, I had quite forgotten that I owe you $700,000 in a few weeks. Thanks so much for your call. So you see, on that fateful Friday evening, my mind would also occasionally wander to the detailed financial application for mercy I was to submit to the bank the following Monday. Soon it was 8.30 p.m., and I was no further along with my letter for my case. Okay, once more to the breach, one more stab at a sentence, I said to myself in an Eeyore voice. That is, if Eeyore had just been swept up in an overwhelming invasion of the hundred-acre wood. Then the phone rang. The phone call was my kid's mother calling with my son to say that Bonnie had been hit by a car. Bonnie was their Scotty puppy dog, now three years old. They were just driving home from the veterinarian and trying to figure out how they were going to tell my twin girls, who were nine at the time, and loved Bonnie. I said how sorry I was. I sat and thought of sad kids and poor Bonnie, then folded my tent and went home to return early Saturday and press on. The rest of the weekend flew by in an excruciating mix of fretful activity and complete lack of progress. By Sunday night, I knew that this was not writer's block or merely anxious overwhelm. These were old friends to a lawyer used to pressure and family stress and writing for a living. And though my historically underconfident, self-critical adolescent voice carped about my laziness and lack of focus, even I could hear the adolescent as bringing a knife to a gunfight. This was different. I was different. Something had gone wrong. I faced the moment I had long dreaded, raising my hand at my firm and saying to my partners that something was wrong with my ability to do my job. I had skated by it, jumped over it, and otherwise avoided this moment at both close quarters and happy long distance. It was over. Finally over. And after the long weekend of Bonnie, the mortgage, and the unwritten paragraph, I could not pretend otherwise. If I tried, events would rush in to write the story for me, and this outcome could not be allowed to happen. Staring one last time at my desk full of photos and my beautiful office in my wonderful firm, I said goodbye to that life out loud. 
Monday morning found me in the senior partner's office explaining that something was wrong. Without hesitation, he said that health was the most important thing and that I should take some time off, get tested, work with the executive director and firm resources, and come back with a plan that made sense for me. As I spoke the death sentence of my former life, and he responded with compassion, the free fall jolted and changed. I wish I could say that a billowy parachute opened up with the letter G on it and floated me easily groundward. Nope. It was more like an old chute full of holes, plus a bunch of bats and buzzers and garbage floating out in a twisting trail as I zigzagged back and forth in a slower descent. Appointments, meetings with bankruptcy lawyers and financial advisors, psychiatrists, all followed. But my head had stopped hurtling into the center of my life, for now. This fortunate man could breathe again because, after that weekend, the end of a crescendo, I had walked away. See you next week.